Welcome in, Fight Fans, here to a Thursday edition of Unlocking the Cage Podcast Edition. I am Ryan McKinnell, in for Jimmy Smith. And on today's episode, we have a sit-down with perennial top lightweight Benel Derry Oosh. Benel shares with us his thoughts on a chaotic lightweight division, what he would like to see next for the uncrowned champ, Charles Oliveira, and what he plans on doing over the next 12 months. And we dive into Kayla Harrison's money. That's right. The Georgia Athletic Commission has released purses for the PFL, and we have a much clearer understanding of what Kayla is making in the PFL. And suffice to say, that woman is getting paid. We dive into that and dissect it all here on a Thursday edition of Unlocking the Cage. Sit back, relax, click play. Let's get it going on a Thursday. I think... We are good. We got Ben L. Darius, not on Zoom, but we got Benny on the phone. How you doing, my guy? You good? I'm doing good. Sorry about that, brother. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that makes that makes like six of us, so it's all good. We're all in the same boat. We're all just like, we're all kind of scrambling, trying to make sense of the chaos. But that creates a nice, natural segue, Ben El Darius, because as we talk about trying to make sense of the chaos, bro, what is going on in your division? What is going on at Lightweight? How frustrating is it to watch all of this kind of play out? Bro, it's a mess. It's so annoying because we got um... – we got the champion who's not really a champion, but he should be the champion, right. Charles Oliveira. Right. Instead of trying to fight the next contenders, he's asking for Conor McGregor. And then you got the two guys who should be uh, either fighting for a title or fighting each other, Islam Makhachev and myself, just kind of hanging out, waiting to see what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, I've been told that they're trying to make Islam and Charles happen. So I, I've asked for somebody like Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler or something. But, man, I haven't mm-hmm. gotten a word back. I have no clue what's going on. So where are you at? I know you hurt your ankle in February. That's why you had to uh, – that's why the Makachev fight didn't happen. Uh, it's been a year. It's been over a year, Benny, since we've seen you in the cage, May of 2021. Where are you at? I mean, I assume you're ready, but, like, how's your mentals? I mean, your physicals are one thing, but your mentals, like watching a Saturday fight, Volkanovski. Now Volkanovski's getting mentioned as a potential opponent at 155, and I feel like, again, you're saying, okay, they're talking about Makachev potentially being the number one contender against Oliveira, however it plays out, but it kind of leaves you floating out there like and you have no direction that's got to be i mean is it angering frustrating like what word would you use uh all of those words there's days where i'm just a little frustrated <laughs> there's days where i'm mad yeah. there's days where i'm just like whatever just i'm not even gonna think about it but um mm-hmm. to be honest with you man i don't know because uh right now the, for example when i watched the wolkanovsky fight with holloway i was just Man, I get excited. I, I miss fighting. I haven't fought in a year. I want to get back inside that cage. And, uh, you know, yeah. I just want to do what I do. My leg is healed. My, you know, I had a broken fibula. So that that's healed. I've been back to training, and I've been training pretty hard for the last six weeks. So I'd love, I'd love to get a date going. Well, yeah, when you get a date, that kind of puts a lot of that other stuff to rest, right? It kind of puts you at ease. You have something to focus on. You have, you have, you have a North Star, essentially, to follow. Exactly, exactly. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, and I mean, again, that's where I always, I I have that empathy for fighters because it's already crazy enough for me to like when you get an opponent and it's like, okay, 
it's three months out, and then you spend the next three months prepping for that one Saturday night, that one 15-minute window to determine X, Y, and Z number of time after, you know, uh, determines the next two years of your career. I can only imagine what it's like sitting on the sidelines for a year and watching this sort of chaos unfold around you. Let me ask you this, Benel Darius. If you were Charles Oliveira, right, and you had essentially your pick of what to do next, the bag against Connor, right, the legacy fight against Yura Makachev, or a, a champ-champ fight against Alexander Volkanovsky. How would you play that hand, Benel? Well, I would fight contenders. I would not be calling out uh, McGregor. That's 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 for sure. Because, you know, you're a champion. What do champions do? They fight contenders. There's, there's no way around it. Yeah. Like, the fact that he's asking for Connor just seems ridiculous. And I, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get why they're trying to... Uh, or why he's trying to do this right now of all times. Well, I mean, you get it from the standpoint that it's money-oriented, right? It's money-driven. Right, but what I'm saying is Connor hasn't won a yeah. fight in a long time. His last fight won for titles. It wasn't like he got free title shots. Connor doesn't get free title yeah. shots. He just has to, I mean, it's nearly free. He just If he wins one fight, he's going to get a title shot for sure. But he hasn't won that one fight. I don't. When was the last time he won? Was it 2016 or 2017? Something crazy like that. Uh, no, it was. I want to. Yeah, I want to say it was like 2019 or 2020. It was that Cerrone fight, right? But you're, to your point, okay. it has been. It has been a long time. And Donald Cerrone, I think you would agree. Not to. We're not trying to dump on the dude. He just retired, but not the same version of himself that probably we saw eight, ten years ago. No question, right? That was at 172, right? It wasn't at 155. Oh, I think you're right. So, I think it was at 170. So at 70, I don't remember the last time he won a fight at 70. So this is. This is what I'm trying to say. Like, the, it doesn't make sense uh, to make that fight right now. It just doesn't. Yeah. Now, but, let me ask you this. When you look at – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I will say this. If he continues to go that path, it's possible the UFC will say, you know what, forget it. We're, we'll just make Charles – I mean, uh, Islam Makhchev versus Daniil Jariush for, for the title in Abu Dhabi. I wouldn't be mad at him. Well. I mean, if this guy doesn't want to fight, I wouldn't be mad at him. I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty stoked about it. So, so I mean, if he wants to keep chasing Connor, he can keep chasing Connor. I guess I don't, I don't know. I, I I'm just, I'm just trying to be as honest as possible. Um, I, I like part it. Of me wants him to keep doing that so I can get that uh, fight with uh, Islam back, but it's not. Yeah, like, man, just tell me who's next. Well, that and that's the the part that I wanted to get to, and we're here with Benel Dariush, top UFC lightweight in the world, joining us on a Thursday edition of Unlocking the Cage. That was my next question, Benel, is kind of like your frustration and like how much how much longer are you willing to sit? Like how much longer are you willing to operate without an answer? At some point, you're going to need a fight. I know the chaos is frustrating, but, but where are you at in terms of the sitting? Like how much longer are you willing to let this play out? I guess that's a question I wanted to ask. Um, honestly, I'm, I, I want to answer in the next couple of weeks. I've been, they've been kind of talking to us a little bit here and there, but I want to, I would like an answer in the next couple of weeks because um, you know, October's not that far away. I want to know what's going on. Am I fighting uh, in, in October? Am I fighting earlier? I, I got to know because the way I prepare for a fight, you know, I don't typically spar if I don't have a fight because sparring is really heavy mm. on the body. Uh, it just, I need to know so I can get started with sparring. No matter how hard I train, having a fight is just different. So that's where I'm at right now. 
and that uh, Rafael Cordero sparring is much different. You're still with Rafael, right? That's right. And it, uh, Fridays at uh, Kings is still legendary. It is uh, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> that, does not, that does not surprise me. From Shootbox to Kings and a few places in between, the legacy and legend of Rafael Cordero and those uh, sparring sessions. Yeah, man. I, could, I feel like we could do like a whole hour just on your experiences at Kings and we could talk sparring fights. But, uh, well, listen, we don't have a whole hour. So I just want to ask yeah. you uh, this next question, right? Like uh, as, we, as we talk about 155 and we talk about what's going to be uh, next for you, I- I'm curious – like, again, you, you talked about the frustration. You talked about the anger. I also liked how you talked about the excitement, though, that you had for Alexander Volkanovsky and Holloway on Saturday. Like, just watching that fight got you pumped up. I'm curious, man. Volkanovsky has floated the idea of 155. You obviously watched the fight on Saturday, one of the most dominant championship performances that I've ever seen. How do you think Volk would do at lightweight, Benil? I think he'd do pretty well. Um I'm not sure if he would be champion, but I think he would do pretty well. Just, um, you know, the difference I would say between 145 and 155 is there's a ton of grapplers in 155 and good grapplers. Uh, And I know typically he's the only one who's really pushing the grappling in his fight. I mean, outside the Brian Ortega fight, and even in that fight, he still got the takedowns. He was still the guy on top. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's there's not a lot of grapplers he's fought. uh, And I know he fought Chad Mendes, but you know, Chad Mendes was at the at the latter end of his career. So it's a yeah, yeah. I think that would be the difference. A lot of guys would be looking to take him down and I think that would that would make the fight different. And um man, as as his striking is so good, but once you mix in takedowns and pressure, it, it really does change the game. So do you think he should stay at featherweight or do you think he should try those waters and test those waters and try to become become a double champ? What would you do in his scenario? I think he should totally try. He should definitely try. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be annoying for me if I get stuck. Um, <laughs> yes, know, it, it puts, it <laughs> of puts course. Me further back in line, but but you know, I if I'm being honest, in his position, I would want to be double champ. Why not? Uh, definitely, he should try. Yeah, and I mean, listen, uh, I, I'm with you when when the opportunity presents itself, and I'm glad you were honest, right? Even in the face of what it would do to potentially your own prospects, uh, you still understand the greatness of Alexander Volkanovsky, and that doesn't surprise me. I know you're a fight fan, Benil, and, uh, well, you wouldn't operate in this space if you didn't have the passion. So as we talk about passion, obviously you are a top-ranked lightweight. You are right there in the mix for that championship title. You were scheduled to fight Makachev. It fell through. I know you still want that fight. We still want to uh, see that fight take us through like the next 12 months Benil. like in a perfect world how would this play out for you how would the next year or so the next 12 months look on your calendar if you could write it and have the pen so next 12 months here's here's two ways it goes one way it goes i have to fight a uh, n- another top five guy to become number one contender and i do that i, yeah. I get that done before the end of the year and then uh Next year, beginning of next year, I fight for the title, win the title, and uh, Lord willing, I get a couple of title defenses in, uh, uh, one or two title defenses in. If, but if I get the if I get the title earlier, for example, if, if Charles doesn't want the fight, this is option number two, and I fight Islam for the title, I'll I'll definitely be able to get to two to three title uh, defenses, hopefully. I like that's, it. I like the planning. I, I like think. the. 
I was going to say, I like the focus there, Benil Darius, man. Thank you for joining us on a Thursday. And, Benny, I, I hope this situation gets cleared up soon because this division is too good to remain stagnant, and, uh, and you're too good to be sitting on the shelf as well. So I really hope it gets ironed out, man. Thanks for the time. My pleasure, man. Me too. I can't, I can't wait to fight. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Thank you to the state of Georgia. Can't say that often. I'm a true Yankee. <laughs> so thank you, Georgia. Let me just put that out there. I'll say it again. Thank you, Georgia, because the Georgia Commission recently released the show purses of PFL fighters. I believe it was show purses for PFL 4, 5, and 6. I might have those numbers uh, a little bit wrong but nonetheless uh they they released the the georgia commission fight purses for pfl uh events that were run now this is really interesting stuff because number one we live in an era where we aren't getting that sort of information these days commissions are becoming less and less transparent shout out to andy foster of california who's trying to do it the right way right they're becoming less and less transparent uh fight purses are being Less and less talked about. And that's exactly how the UFC wants it. It's how probably everybody wants it, not just the UFC, right? But the PFL, <laughs> I take that back. Maybe not everybody. Maybe the PFL wishes commissions were disclosing payouts more because what we learned from the Georgia commission is, oh my God, are PFL fighters well taken care of? Namely, the PFL golden child, Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison, obviously the two-time gold medalist, undefeated in the PFL. The reasons we all tune in to the PFL on ESPN and ESPN Plus is basically Kayla Harrison. No disrespect, because they've got plenty of UFC veterans and names on their roster, but right now the thing to watch in PFL, even above the million-dollar paydays, which are awesome, those million-dollar tournament finales, like that's a sort of carrot to be dangled. But not as, and I can't believe I'm saying this, not as great as the payouts themselves. We start with Kayla Harrison. Because we now have an idea of what she's making in the PFL. Aside from the million dollars that she wins at the end of every season. And make no mistake, she is going to win a million dollars at the end of every season. Because there is no one even sniffing her stratosphere. It ain't even, I mean, her last opponent... Caitlin Young, what was it, like, plus, like, what, like, 1,400, 1,500? Just some stupid underdog uh, status right there. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Really doesn't matter who they put in front of her. They're going to be large underdogs unless she were to magically jump over to the UFC in the middle of the year, which ain't going to happen. And why would it happen? Why would she make the jump over to the UFC? When we found out that Kayla Harrison is making $500,000 a fight, that's no show, that's no win, that's just $500,000 flat fee. So if she loses, she still makes five hundred dollars But she wins, which she does all the time, that's what she's making. Now our own RJ Clifford did the math. 
which I'm actually glad I laugh. The math isn't that hard, but it is for an idiot like me. So thanks, RJ. But RJ pointed this out on Twitter yesterday at RJ Clifford MMA on Twitter. He said, Kayla made 500 disclosed last week, 500K disclosed last week. Assuming she makes that amount every fight, except for a finals win for $1 million, that's $2.5 million a PFL season before any bonuses, sponsorships, etc. Yeah, I'd stay in PFL too. That's RJ Clifford yesterday on Twitter. Two and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, we've been saying that about Kayla for quite some time for her to stay, or at least I have. And I think a lot of people have been mirroring uh, my sentiments. And it's it, it's not I mean, I'm not breaking new ground, right? Like I'm not reinventing the wheel. This is <laughs> pretty standard stuff. She's making just 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 on the million dollars alone guaranteed at the end of each season. I said, stay in the PFL. I had no idea. She was making half a million dollars per fight without that million dollars. Like, that is absurd. Do you, do you, like, Davidson Figueroa just came out and talked about how he changed management because he was super unhappy with his UFC contract. He said in his last title fight, he got 100 to show and 100 to win. 100,000 to show and 100,000 to win. He said normally for champions, it's like 400K to show and 400K to win or 600 if you're defending your belt, right? Kayla Harrison is getting 500 flat, $500,000 to go up and slaughter bus drivers and like lunchroom workers. No, no disrespect. To the workers out there, right? But Kayla Harrison is not a worker. She is a two-time Olympic gold medalist. The top of the heap when it comes to athletic prowess. Like, as good as it gets in terms of lineage and in terms of pedigree. She's undefeated. She's a multi-time PFL season winner. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. And I'm sure if you want to go out to her Wikipedia, there's a lot more accolades you can add into that. And she is going out there in fights where she is a massive favorite, where there is no question that she's going to steamroll her competition, and she's getting 500K for that. Light work. 500K Per fight, not counting the million dollars that she gets when she wins a season. UFC fighters, are you paying attention? I certainly hope you are. And if that didn't make you pay attention, the Kayla Harrison money, maybe Shoeface's money will jump out at you. Antonio Carlos Jr., he makes 49 to show and 49 to win. Olivier Aubin-Mercier, he makes 27K to win and 27K to show. For a total of 54K. Jeremy Stevens. And I like Jeremy. This is no disrespect. 100K to show and 100K to win. That is what Figueredo made in his last title fight. Jeremy Stevens got $200,000 in his PFL debut. 200000 Omari Agmedov. 200,000, actually 206,000, 103 to show and 103 to win. Kelly, where do you think that three comes in? Is that just like Agmedov being like, I need 3K more than Jeremy Stevens? Like, is that one of those deals? Like, you just want just a little bit over what the baseline guy is making? Right. It's like, I feel like, okay, if you can give me anywhere between like two and 5K more, I'll take it. And they were like, all right, three. So we're looking, I mean, you've seen these numbers. I've seen these numbers. Is there any, I mean, I was, 
the 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 500k was pretty surprising, but not nearly. And maybe this is just, I don't know. Not nearly as surprising as Jeremy Stevens making 100k and 100k to show and win. Like if you're a UFC fighter, how are you not salivating at the release of these commission reports from Georgia and these these numbers that you're seeing for these PFL fighters? How are you not bending over backwards to get a spot in the PFL? That is the the only place I would want to fight. Screw a UFC belt. Give me that PFL million dollars at the end of the season and my 100 to K and 100 show to win, and I'm going to have my life set up after four or five years. You can't get that in the UFC. No, absolutely not. And exactly like you said, when I saw 500K for Kayla initially, I was shocked. Because I was like, that's a huge number for the level of opposition that she's fighting. And that's not taking away from exactly how talented she is because she is fantastic. But the level of opposition she faces isn't. It's They're not named. She's always a massive, massive favorite over them. But then when I continued to see the rest of the fighter payouts, I was just as shocked, if not more. Yeah, serious money being handed out at the PFL. So there's no wonder why Anthony Pettis... Right, Rory McDonald, Jeremy Stevens, and insert X fighter here in the future. Because make no mistake, you will see more fighters jumping ship. Now, and that's why the UFC, this is exactly why they don't want this stuff disclosed. Because it creates conversation, it creates dialogue, and it creates a measuring stick for the rest of the fighters to have and to take and to look at and to say, well, so-and-so, you know, got this for this. Jeremy Stevens got 100 and 100. You're telling me I'm not worth that? And it also opens up the floodgates for the likes of Devis and Figueredo to look at that and just want to throw up in his cereal. You're just like, oh, my God, I am completely undervalued as a champion. This is a joke. You don't need to change management, Davidson. You need to change organizations. They don't value you as a fighter. And you also don't know how much longer, like, how much longer can the PFL do this? Like, the PFL is throwing out serious payouts. I hope it stays. They're creating a nice legacy for themselves. But they are giving out serious money, and I don't know how much they're seeing on a return. But, I, frankly, I don't care. I'm pro-fighter, and this is great for the fighters. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.